Welcome to the second episode of the week of the MMA High Five, the podcast and equivalent of an Edson Barbosa wheel kick to the head. Our first story today is that Michael Bisping has retired. On his own podcast, Michael Bisping was essentially saying that he's having to retire because there's not much more he can achieve in the sport at the age of 40 with one dodgy eye. And as he revealed on his podcast, his good eye is actually going a little bit dodgy as well. So if you're looking at losing sight in both of your eyes, if you don't stop fighting, I think it's fair to say that he's made the right choice in quitting the UFC. So yeah, Michael Bisping's had quite a long career. He started off, of course, in England. And he had a fantastic run in Cage Warriors. One of the first fighters in Cage Warriors, one of the first sort of English fighters in Cage Warriors, sorry, that really worked his way through the ranks and ended up in the UFC. So his UFC start came from the Ultimate Fighter 3. He won that show. And I think a lot of the US fans started to dislike him based on how he acted in the house and on the show. Which is fair enough. He's a sort of typical cocky Englishman. And he's played that character very, very well. To the point, I think a lot of people doubt if it's a character or, if it, or you know, if it's maybe just him. I would suspect it's mostly him and he hams it up a little bit because he knows how to play the media. Which is something that he also got better at as his career went on. One of the things that I always noticed about Michael Bisping, and I kind of resented because I, I did want to see him do well, was that he was only ever rolled out for the UK or uh, European cards. His time in, or, you know, the, the sort of cards abroad. He didn't often fight in the US until later in his UFC career. Um, I think that it just goes to show that if you are a consummate professional in terms of, you know, negotiating and dealing with the UFC, and if you're a company man and you do whatever they ask, then you you can go quite far in the sport as long as you've got the skills or the toughness to back it up. And regardless of what anyone thought of Michael Bispin, I think he had both. Michael Bispin was a very good kickboxer. Um, he was never the most powerful guy. He wasn't the strongest. He wasn't the fastest. But he had good technique, except for the repeated errors he had when he was fighting Dan Henderson. Um, he, he fell for the same thing twice in, in both fights. The first fight finished him, the second fight nearly. I think he's probably going to be remembered for the fights against Dan Henderson He's probably going to be remembered for the fight against Anderson Silva. And I don't think his final fight against Kevin Gastelum is really going to blemish his record at all. Everyone knew he shouldn't have taken it. Everyone knew he took it just because it was uh, probably a fun thing to do. And maybe he thought he'd get his last hurrah and be able to, you know, say bye at the time. At the same time, that wasn't to be. I don't think his record's going to be tarnished by that. But yeah, he ends his career... Um, maybe not on top, but certainly shortly after reaching the top. Um, he always said that he could beat Anderson Silva, and he eventually did. So yeah, he's ended with a couple of records. At least he'll hold for a while. He's got, I think he's got the tied most bouts in the UFC. And he, yeah, fantastic career. Um, a great role model for... Uh, a lot of UK fighters and really just showing what can be done. So thank you very much, Michael Bispin, for everything you give to the sport. I don't think Jorge Rivera is going to forgive you for spitting on him in his corner, but, you know, you win some, you lose some. Okay, the second story here today is the UFC Utica main card and picks. 
I'm honestly not massively pumped to watch this card. Um, no disrespect to the fighters at all, but the card as a whole doesn't seem like it's been put together very well. Like, for example, kicking off the main cards, Jan Vellante and Sam Alvey. Both fighters uh, probably at the lower end of, like, strike force quality in terms of ability. So the only reason I can think of that this is on the main card is because it's in Jan Vellante's backyard. And uh, Sam Alvey usually has pretty good post-fight call-outs planned. So my prediction for this fight is that I will fast-forward it. The next one is Julio Arce and Daniel Tamer. And I've got a bias for any high-level Thai boxers competing in MMA, so I'll be rooting for Daniel Tamer here. Um, his first loss was his last fight. Sorry, his first loss in MMA was his last fight against a very tough Scotsman, Danny Henry. And Arce is going to be another tough test. Hopefully you pronounce that RC. Uh, I'm predicting a split decision win for Daniel Tamer, but it's going to be tough. So next up on the main card, Jake Ellenberger versus Ben Saunders. Ben used to be known a lot for his striking. There was a lot of people in his first run in the UFC were comparing him with Anderson Silva because of the way that he used to um, throw strikes in the clinch. But he's also a black belt in BJJ, um, I think under Ricardo Laborio. And he trains with Eddie Bravo just now. So it's not like he's going to be lost on the ground if it goes there. Jake Ellenberger actually makes his 20th UFC appearance. And almost half of those have been losses. Um, I think this is probably going to be an exciting fight. Because both guys are coming off of two losses. And based on sort of history alone, you don't want to be looking at three losses in a row in the UFC. So I think it's, this is going to be a good fight. But I can see Saunders coming out with a TKO win. Next up. Walt Harris versus Daniel Spitz. I don't care. I'll probably fast forward this and then rewind it if it ends in a big stoppage. There's nothing that either of these fighters have done that makes me want to watch this. I'm not really a fan of lower level heavyweight fights anyway. The co-main event is Gregor Gillespie versus uh, Vince Pichel. And this will be a good fight. I know it will be a good fight. Pichel's like, he's a really dynamic striker. He actively seeks out the kind of slugfests that everyone loves to watch. And I wouldn't say he's overly technical, but he is a very good striker. And then you've also got the self-titled best fisherman in MMA, Gregor Gillespie. He's a very strong wrestler, but he also likes to swing and bang it out. Um, okay, I don't want to see Gillespie lose this, because I really want another post-fight fishing chat from him. But I do think Pichel probably puts him away with a big KO. Um, I'm going to say second round KO. The main event here is actually quite interesting. It's Jimmy Rivera and Marlon Moraes. I didn't realise how long Jimmy Rivera's gone undefeated. I think it's something like 20 fights. And uh, Moraes is a really fun fighter to watch, regardless of win or lose. So you can really see why this fight's been made. Like, it's really good matchmaking. Plus, Marlon Moraes trains in uh, New York now. So Rivera does think this is a title challenger. Uh, sorry, a title challenge eliminator fight. Um, and he does expect to fight the winner of TJ versus Cody in their rematch for the title if he wins this. And I think he will. I'm going to say that he's going to grind out a decision win. I think it's going to be a long fight, but it's going to be a good one. Our next story is about Nordine Taleb and Claudio Silva. So this fight happened at the UFC Liverpool event, and Claudio Silva kind of came back from behind to beat Nordin Taleb on the ground. I thought watching it that Nordin Taleb had 
Probably got the best of the action on the feet. Claudio Silva clearly wanted to take him down. And when he eventually got there, he choked him out. Um, it was a very good win for Claudio Silva. As I said earlier in the week, that was his first fight back in four years after he thought he would never fight again. So, big emotional fight for him. So, what Silva had to say after the fight was that there was an altercation between him and Nordin back at the hotel. He said that Nordin is a very disrespectful individual. He's very arrogant. And he said, after the fight, I tried talking to him and he told me not to talk to him. Afterwards, I was sitting at the hotel and he walked by me and I greeted him. He turned around and said, F you, you son of a bitch. You're a piece of shit. I'll beat you 10 times out of 10. Let's go right now. Um, and yeah, so Nadine wasn't very happy about that. Um, I think what Claudio Silva had said to Bloody Elbow was, I think the UFC should do something about this. Can you imagine if my mama was somewhere there to hear those things? That guy is the scum of the sport. That's what I think. He had 50 minutes to beat me and couldn't do it. Now he wants to fight on the streets. He has to be banned from the sport. So Nardine's side of things was on Twitter. He said, I don't like excuses, but something strange happened when the ref stopped me defending the choke, telling me I was grabbing his gloves. I froze for a second and Silva took advantage. Complete misjudgment from the ref. I'm so mad. I don't think that gives you the right to be an asshole backstage. Um, but hopefully Nardine figures out what he's doing and hopefully we see Claudio Silva in the cage again soon. One of the reasons that I'm not really hot on the main card of this week's UFC is predominantly due to the way that the card's been structured. And our next story uh, sees that one of the fighters further down the card isn't happy either. Joseph Benavides fights Sergio Pettis on the third fight on the fight pass prelims. And he's not happy about it at all. He said that maybe, you know, one positive thing looking at his injury was maybe he was going to be out and there'd be like a crazy mix-up in the division. But he said it's actually worse and nothing's changed at all. So what he's really referring to there is the fact that the men's £125 division has sort of been stalled. Demetrius Johnson's not really got the respect that he deserved from the promotion. And a lot of the other fighters in that division haven't been either. Um, and Joseph's seen that really as justification for thinking that, and I don't think he's wrong. He's um, had four losses in the UFC, two against Demetrius Johnson and two against Dominic Cruz, and he fought in the first UFC flyweight uh, fight. So I, I really do think he deserves to be on the main card. I think Sergio Pettis probably deserves to be on the main card as well, and I think this fight is definitely going to be a better fight than at least two or three fights on the main card. Uh, the the Walt Harris-Daniel Spitz fight, I don't know why that's on the main card ahead of this one. And as an aside, I think Joseph Benavides deserves to be on the main card just because he's bleached his hair blonde and looks like the real Slim Shady now. If you don't believe me, wait until, wait until Saturday. He looks fantastic. The final story today sees us look at Dana White slipping further and further into the mafia boss role that he's probably always imagined that he's playing. So recently he fired Yair Rodriguez, Rodriguez and let him go from the contract, saying that he didn't want to fight. What he said was, we offered him fights, he turned down the fights. There was a lot more back and forth that went on with that, but if you don't want to fight, this isn't the place to be. There's plenty of places out there that will take Yair Rodriguez and would love to have him. They would sign him and I'm sure he'll have a great career, but this isn't the place for you. Now, 
Rodriguez's side of the story is that he wanted to fight Ricardo Lamas or someone else in the top 10, or if the UFC wanted him to fight Zabit Magomedsharipov or someone else outside the top 10, he was negotiating for more money, which, you know, if you looked at it that way, that's kind of fair. Um, it's a bigger risk to fight someone outside the top 10, especially Zabit. So what Dana White had to say to that was, and this is what I think is the really chilling part, when I call you and offer you a fight, you should probably take it. You should probably take it. I make 42 cards, fight cards a year, and if you don't want to fight, and if you want to be picky and choosy, and you don't want to do this, and you don't want to do that, then you probably need to go somewhere else, and I'll help you get there. Um, what was really interesting was Danny Downs, former UFC fighter, had said on Twitter, if you have to take a fight, it's not really an offer. It sounds like something bosses would tell employees and not independent contractors. Just sort of leaving it dangling there that there is that dispute between employees and independent contractors. So my sort of opinion here is Yair Rodriguez probably shouldn't have been fired and he sh probably should be allowed to negotiate things. But, you know, maybe Dana White shouldn't be making all of these matches. If Dana White's getting tired of listening to fighters try to negotiate, maybe you should leave that to other people. You know, um, that's, you know, the, the old sort of thing of a boss working in the business too much and not being able to work on the business. You know, I, I don't know the ins and outs um, and we'd probably all be guessing, but I don't think this was really fair. And what Dana White said here is quite scary if you're a UFC fighter. That's all we've got for you today at the MMA High Five. I've been Kieran McNairn. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back on Monday. 